Hello, and welcome to another broadcast brought to you by Airs LA. I need to remind you, you're listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired, and items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers. No unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. My name is Nancy Porter, and it is my pleasure to bring you Time Magazine. This is from their December 25th, 2023 issue in which they name their annual Persons of the Year. Uh, This is the overall Person of the Year. Headline, The Choice. This is written by Sam Jacobs, Editor-in-Chief. Since 1927, time has chosen a Person of the Year. The editor's assessment of the individual who's most shaped the headlines over the previous 12 months, for better or for worse. As a tradition, person of the year springs from the great man theory of history, a belief that individuals have the power to transform society. The selections over the years have tended to follow certain patterns. The person chosen has typically been a ruler over traditional domains of power. He and yes, usually it has been a he, is very often a politician or a titan of industry. Fourteen U.S. presidents, five leaders of Russia or the Soviet Union, and three popes have all been recognized. And yet, the person whose singular influence was revealed throughout 2023 has held none of these roles or anything remotely similar. Every year contains light and dark. 2023 was a year with significant shades of darkness. In a divided world where too many institutions are failing, Taylor Swift found a way to transcend borders and be a source of light. No one else on the planet today can move so many people so well. Achieving this feat is something we often chalk up to alignments of planets and fates, but giving too much credit to the stars ignores her skill and her power. Swift is the rare person who is both the writer and hero of her own story. Her path is untraveled, something she has known for some time. I can't find anyone really who's had the same career trajectory as mine, Swift told us in 2014 when she first appeared on the cover of Time magazine when she released her fifth album titled 1989. I hope that my life won't match anyone else's life trajectory either. While her popularity has grown across the decades, this is the year that Swift, now age 33, achieved a kind of nuclear fusion, shooting art and commerce together to release an energy of historic force. She did it by embracing what she does better than anyone, entertaining and writing songs that connect with people. Now she becomes the first person of the year to be recognized for her success in the arts in a year when we were reawakened to questions about who makes and who owns our cultural expressions. Swift is also a symbol of generational change. She is only the fourth solo person of the year born in the past half century. In the 17 years since her debut, Swift has notched more number one albums than every other woman in history. This year alone, she had three. 
She was everywhere in 2023, filling stadiums and breaking records, which meant we were forced to find novel ways to measure the magnitude of her reach. Seismograms were deployed to show the literal impact caused by her fans. As Swift reportedly became a billionaire, countries' gross domestic products became the yardstick for her financial contributions. University classes to study Swift's lessons in literature, business, and law were announced. Swift was showered with keys to Swiddies, cities, and street signs changed to her name. In 2023, world leaders and mayors competed to bring her monumentally successful eras tour to their jurisdictions. Swift has become a feature of American soft power. A U.S. diplomat told me how meaningful it was to get Swift to agree to play in his host country. And Swift, as we now know, has had a Midas touch, improving the fortunes of every place she visits and business she celebrates. Just ask the National Football League about its millions of new fans. Or your Secretary of State. Tens of thousands of fans registered to vote after she encouraged them on Instagram, spiking visits to vote.org. She's done a great job of sticking to her guns and being vocal and political in the ways that she wants to, said the Chicks front woman, Natalie Maines. At the same time, much of what Swift accomplished in 2023 exists beyond measurement. She mapped her journey and shared the results with the world. She committed to validating the dreams, feelings, and experiences of people, especially women, who felt overlooked and regularly underrepresented and underestimated. They know she respects her audience and trusts them with her story. She held up a mirror to her own life, helping people better see themselves. She embraced her past, foibles and all, and in doing so encouraged others to do the same. While Swift's success can feel like a counterweight to traditional forms of power, the secret to her mastery has ancient roots. She is writing her own myth informed by her own journey and it has been an epic so many have turned to those tales because they have been so disappointed by the storylines that emerge elsewhere in society any student of that great man theory of history knows how deeply intertwined it is with centuries of sexism and the exclusion of women from power indeed this isn't the first time Swift has been part of Time Person of the Year. In 2017, she was among the silence breakers we recognized for standing up and speaking out against discrimination, harassment, and assault faced by too many women for far too long. Swift has been both avatar and author of shifting narratives, never more so than in 2023. Where do they take us? It might look something like what Swift has created, making a space for 70,000 people night after night to experience joy together. What is a higher form of influence, after all, than giving millions of fans, young and old, the time of their lives, where they can revel not only in Swift's voice, 
but in finding their own? These moments were all the more magical for taking place as we exited a pandemic, rediscovering the communal experiences that were so recently taken from us. For building a world of her own that made a place for so many, for spinning her story into a global legend, for bringing joy to a society desperately in need of it, Taylor Swift is Time's 2023 person of the year. In view of the fact that abortion is still very much a topical issue, I'm going to turn now to a feature article from the September 25th, 2023 issue. Headline, she just had a baby. Soon she'll start seventh grade. In post-Dobbs America, some girls can go out of state to get an abortion. This is the story of one who could not. By Charlotte Alter in Clarksdale, Mississippi. Ashley just had a baby. She's sitting on the couch in a relative's apartment in Clarksdale, Mississippi, wearing a camo print leggings and fiddling with the plastic hospital bracelets still on her wrists. It's August and pushing 90 degrees, which means the brown patterned curtains are drawn, the air conditioner is on high, and the room feels like a hiding place. Peanut, the baby boy she delivered two days earlier, is asleep in a car seat at her feet, dressed in a little blue outfit. Ashley is surrounded by family, but nobody is smiling. One relative silently eats lunch in the kitchen. Her two siblings stare glumly at their phones, and her mother, Regina, watches from across the room. Ashley was discharged from the hospital only hours ago, but there are no baby presents or toys in the room, no visible diapers or ointments or bottles. Almost nobody knows that Peanut exists because almost nobody knew that Ashley was pregnant. She is 13 years old. Soon, she'll start seventh grade. In the fall of 2022, Ashley was raped by a stranger in the yard outside her home, her mother says. For weeks, she didn't tell anybody what had happened, not even her mom. But Regina knew something was wrong. Ashley used to love going outside to make dances for her TikTok, but suddenly she refused to leave her bedroom. When she turned 13 that November, she wasn't in the mood to celebrate. She just said, it hurts, Regina remembers. She was crying in her room. I asked her what was wrong and she said she didn't want to tell me. To protect the privacy of a juvenile rape uh, survivor, Time is using pseudonyms to refer to Ashley and Regina. Peanut is the baby's nickname. The signs were obvious only in retrospect. Ashley started feeling sick to her stomach. Regina thought it was related to her diet. At one point, Regina even asked Ashley if she was pregnant, and Ashley said, Nothing.
Regina hadn't yet explained to her daughter how a baby is made, because she didn't think Ashley was old enough to understand. They need to be kids, Regina says. She doesn't think Ashley even realized that what happened to her could lead to a pregnancy. On January 11th, Ashley began throwing up so much that Regina took her to the emergency room at Northwest Regional Medical Center. When her blood work came back, the hospital called the police. One nurse came in and asked Ashley, What have you been doing? Regina recalls, That's when they found out Ashley was pregnant. I broke down, Regina says. Dr. Erica Balthrop was the OBGYN on call that day. Balthrop is an assured, muscular woman with close-cropped cornrows and a tattoo of a feather running down her arm. She ordered an ultrasound and determined Ashley was 10 or 11 weeks along. It was surreal for her, Balthrop recalls. She just had no clue. The doctor could not get Ashley to answer any questions, or even to speak at all. She would not open her mouth. Balthrop spoke about her patient's medical history with Regina's permission. At their second visit, about a week later, Regina tentatively, tentatively asked Balthrop if there was any way to determine Ashley's pregnancy. Seven months earlier, Balthrop could have directed Ashley to abortion clinics in Memphis, 90 minutes north, or in Jackson, Mississippi, two and a half hours south. But today, Ashley lives in the heart of abortion ban America. In 2018, Republican lawmakers in Mississippi enacted a ban on most abortions after 15 weeks of pregnancy. The law was blocked by a federal judge who ruled that it violated the abortion protections guaranteed by Roe v. Wade. The Supreme Court disagreed. In its June 2022 decision in Dobbs v. Jackson Women's Health Organization, the court overturned the constitutional right to abortion that had existed for nearly half a century. Within weeks, Mississippi and every state that borders it banned abortion in almost all circumstances. Balthrop told Regina that the closest abortion provider for Ashley would be in Chicago. At first, Regina thought she and Ashley could drive there, but it's a nine-hour trip, and Regina would have to take off work. She'd have to pay for gas, food, and a place to stay, not to mention the cost of the abortion itself. I don't have the funds for all this, she says. So Ashley did what girls with no other options do. She did nothing. Clarksdale is in the Mississippi Delta, a vast stretch of flat, fertile land in the northwest corner of the state, between the Mississippi and Yazoo rivers. The people who live in the Delta are predominantly black and low income. The region is an epicenter of America's ongoing black maternal health crisis. Mississippi has the second highest maternal mortality rate in the country, with 43 deaths per 100,000 live births, 
and the Delta has among the worst maternal health care outcomes in the state. Black women in Mississippi are four times as likely to die from pregnancy-related complications as are white women. Mississippi's abortion ban is expected to result in thousands of additional births, often to low-income, high-risk mothers. Dr. Daniel Edney, Mississippi's top health officials, tells Time his department is actively preparing for roughly 4,000 additional live births this year alone. Edney says improving maternal health outcomes is the number one priority for the Mississippi Health Department, which has invested $2 million in its Healthy Moms, Healthy Babies program to provide extra support for new mothers. There is a sense of following through, and not just as a predominantly pro-life state, says Edney. We don't just care about life in utero. We care about life, period. And that includes the mother's life and the baby's life. Mississippi's abortion ban contains narrow exceptions, including for rape victims and to save the life of the mother. But Ashley's case shows that these exceptions are largely theoretical. Even if a victim files a police report, there appears to be no clear process for granting an exception. The state attorney's general's office did not return Time's repeated requests to clarify the process for granting exceptions. The Mississippi Board of Medical Licensure and the Mississippi State Medical Association did not reply to Time's requests for explanations. And, of course, there are no abortion providers left in the state. In January, the New York Times reported that since Mississippi's abortion law went into effect, only two exceptions had been made. Even if the process for obtaining one were clear, it would not have helped Ashley. Regina did not know that Mississippi's abortion ban had an exception for rape. Even before Dobbs, it was perilous to become a mother in rural Mississippi. More than half the counties in the state can be classified as maternity care deserts, according to a 2023 report from the March of Dimes, meaning there are no birthing facilities or obstetric providers. More than 24% of women in Mississippi have no birthing hospital within a 30-minute drive, compared with the national average of roughly 10%. According to Edney, there are just nine OBGYNs serving a region larger than the state of Delaware. Every time an OBGYN retires, Balthrop gets an influx of new patients. These patients are having to drive further to get the same care, than, and they're having to wait longer, Balthrop says. These backups can have cascading effects. Balthrop recalls one woman who had to wait four weeks to get an appointment. That is unacceptable, because you don't know if she's high risk or not until she sees you, the doctor says. The patient didn't know she was pregnant. 
Now the time has lapped so much that she can't drive any place to terminate even if she wants to. Early data suggests the Dobbs decision will make this problem worse. Younger doctors and medical students don't want to move to states with abortion restrictions. When Emory University researcher Ariana Traub surveyed almost 500 third and fourth year medical students in 2022, nearly 80% said that abortion laws influenced where they planned to apply to residency. Nearly 60% said they were unlikely to apply to any residency programs in states with abortion restrictions. Traub had assumed that abortion would be most important to students studying obstetrics, but was surprised to find that three-quarters of students across all medical specialties said that Dobbs was affecting their residency decisions. People often forget that doctors are people and patients too, Traub says. And residency is often the time when people are in their third, mid-thirties and thinking about starting a family. Traub found that medical students weren't just reluctant to practice in states with abortion bans. They did not want to become pregnant there either. And so Dobbs has compounded America's maternal health crisis. More women are giving birth to more babies in areas where there are already not enough doctors, while abortion bans are making it more difficult to recruit qualified providers to the regions that need them the most. People always ask me, why do you choose to stay here? Says Balthrop, who has worked in the Delta for more than 20 years. She said, I feel like I have no choice at this point. The weeks went on and Ashley entered her second trimester. She wore bigger clothes to hide her bump until she was so big that Regina took her out of school. They told everyone Ashley needed surgery for a bad ulcer. We've been keeping it quiet because people judge wrong when they don't know what's going on, Regina says. She's been trying to keep Ashley away from nosy people. For months, Ashley spent most of the day alone, finishing up sixth grade on her laptop. The family still has no plans to tell anybody about the pregnancy. It's going to be a little private matter here, Regina says. Ashley has ADHD and trouble focusing and has an individualized education program at school. She had never talked much, but after the rape, she went from shy to almost mute. Regina thinks she may have been too traumatized to speak. At first, Regina couldn't even get Ashley to tell her about the rape at all. In an interview in a side bedroom, while Ashley watched TV with Peanut in another room, Regina recounted the details of her daughter's sexual assault as she understands them. It was a weekend in the fall shortly after lunchtime, and Ashley, then age 12, had been outside their home making TikToks while her uncle and siblings were inside. A man came down the street and into the front yard 
grabbed Ashley and covered her mouth, Regina says. He pulled her around to the side of the house and raped her. Ashley told Regina that her assailant was an adult and that she did not know him. Nobody else witnessed the assault. Shortly after finding out Ashley was pregnant, Regina filed a complaint with the Clarksdale Police Department. The department's assistant chief of police, Vincent Ramirez, confirmed to time that a police report had been filed in the matter, but refused to share the document because it involved a minor. Regina says that another family member believed they had identified the rapist through social media sleuthing. The family says they flagged the man they suspected to the police, but the investigation seemed to go nowhere. Ramirez declined to comment, but an investigator in the department confirmed to time that an arrest has not yet been made. With their investigation still incomplete, Police have not yet publicly said that they believe Ashley's pregnancy resulted from sexual assault. Regina felt the police weren't taking the case seriously. She says she was told that in order to move the investigation forward, the police needed DNA from the baby after its birth. Experts say this is not unusual. Although it is technically possible to obtain DNA from a fetus, police are often reluctant to initiate an investigative procedure on a pregnant victim. They typically test DNA only on fetal remains or after a baby is born. But almost three days after Peanut's birth, the police still had not picked up the DNA sample. It was only after inquiries from time that officers finally collected it asked at the Clarksdale police station why it had taken so long for crucial evidence to be obtained, Ramirez shrugged. It's a pretty high priority as a juvenile, he says. Sometimes they slip a little bit because we've got a lot going on, but but then they eventually come back to it. Ashley doesn't say much when asked how it felt to learn she was pregnant. Her mouth twists, and she looks away. Not good, she says after a long pause. Not happy. Regina's own feelings about abortion became more complicated as the pregnancy progressed. She got pregnant with her first daughter at 17 and was a mother at 18. I was a teen, says Regina, now age 33, but I wasn't as young as Ashley. Regina had considered abortion during one of her own pregnancies, but her grandmother admonished her. Your mama didn't abort you. Now Regina felt caught between her family's general disapproval of abortion and the realization that her 13-year-old daughter was pregnant as the result of a rape. I wish she had just told me when it happened. We could have gotten plan B or something, Regina says, referring to the emergency contraceptive often known as the morning after pill. That would have been that. Balthrop often sees this kind of ambivalence. Clarksdale is in the heart of the Bible Belt, 
and many of her patients are black women from religious families. Even if they want to terminate their pregnancies, Balthrop says, many of them ultimately decide not to go through with it. Since the Dobbs decision, however, Balthrop has seen an increase in incomplete abortions, which is when the pregnancy has been terminated, but the uterus has not been fully emptied. Medication, medication abortions, abortions managed with pills, which are increasingly available online, are overwhelmingly safe, but occasionally can have minor complication when the pills are not taken exactly as directed. They're having complications after. Not serious, but they'll come back in with significant bleeding, and then we still have to finish the process, Balthrop says, explaining that treatment can involve evacuating dead fecal tissue. According to Balthrop, Ashley didn't have complications during her pregnancy, but she didn't start speaking more until she felt the baby move around her sixth month. That's when it hit home, Balthrop says. She'd complain about little aches and pains that she had never had before. That's when her mom would come in and say, she asked me this question, and the three of us would sit and talk about it. How did Ashley feel in anticipation of becoming a mother? Nervous is all she will say. Toward the end of the pregnancy, she was terrified of going into labor, Balthrop recalls. Most of her questions were about pushing delivery and how painful it would be. She was focused on the delivery process itself, Balthrop says, not, what am I going to do when I take this baby home? The Clarksdale Women's Clinic, where Balthrop practices, is across the street from the emergency room at Northwest Regional Medical Center, where Ashley first learned she was pregnant. The clinic is large and welcoming, with comfortable chairs and paintings of flowers on the walls. The staff is kind and efficient. The space is clean, and it helps that the three OBGYNs on staff are black, since most of the patients are black. The clinic's strong reputation attracts patients from an hour away in all directions. It's a lifeline in a vast region with few other maternity health options. Even for healthy patients, it can be dangerous to be pregnant in such a rural area. We have patients who walk to our clinic. They don't have transportation, says Casey Shown, an administrative assistant at Clarksdale Women's. Some can get Medicaid transportation, but it's notoriously unreliable. The roads leading to the clinic don't have good sidewalks and temperatures in the Delta regularly reach 100 degrees in the summer. Shown says the clinic gets patients who are six months pregnant by the time they have had their first prenatal appointment. We've had patients who go to the hospital and they've already delivered, Shown says. Balthrop recalls one woman who went into labor about seven weeks early and had to drive 45 minutes to get to the hospital. She was too late. By the time she got here, the baby had passed already, Balthrop says. 
Clarksdale Women's is equipped to handle routine appointments for a healthy pregnancy like Ashley's. But a pregnant patient with any complication at all, from deep vein thrombosis to diabetes, preeclampsia to advanced maternal age, will have to make a three-hour round trip to Memphis to see the closest maternal fetal medicine specialist. The most vulnerable patients are often the ones who have to travel the farthest for pregnancy care. One morning in August, as the clinic filled, Balthrop allowed time to interview consenting patients in the waiting room. One of them was Jessica Ray, age 36, who was 13 weeks pregnant with her third child. Three years ago, when she suddenly went into labor with her second child at 33 weeks, she drove herself 45 minutes to the hospital and gave birth less than a half hour after she got there. Ray knows the travel ordeals ahead of her. Because she has a history of preeclampsia, she'll have to go see the specialist in Memphis each month. You have to take off work and make sure somebody is getting your kids, Ray says. Balthrop, who has three kids of her own, has long considered moving to a different region with a better education system. I feel like I can't, she says. I would be letting so many people down. But the clinic is under serious financial strain. Between overhead, malpractice insurance, increasing costs, and decreasing insurance reimbursements, Balthrop and her colleagues can barely afford to keep Clarksdale's women's open. They're considering selling the practice to a thir hospital 30 miles away. If that happened, Balthrop said, babies would no longer be delivered in Clarksdale, a city of less than 15,000. Some of her patients would have to leave the Delta, possibly driving an hour or more to even the most basic maternity care. For the patients who already struggle to make it to Clarksdale, that would spell disaster. They just wouldn't get care until they show up for delivery at the hospital, says Shown, the administrative assistant. Imagine if we weren't here. Where would they go? Ashley started feeling contractions on a Saturday afternoon when she was 39 weeks pregnant. Regina came home from work, and together they started timing them. They arrived at the hospital around 8 p.m. that night. An exam revealed that Ashley was already 6 centimeters dilated. Her water broke soon after that, and she got an epidural. She gave birth to Peanut within five hours. Ashley describes the birth in one word, painful. For Regina, the arrival of her first grandchild has not eased the pain of watching what her daughter has endured. This situation hurts the most because it was an innocent child doing what children do, playing outside, and it was my child, Regina says. It still hurts and is going to always hurt. Ashley doesn't know anybody else who has a baby. She doesn't want her three friends at school to find out that she has one now. Regina is working on an arrangement with the school 
so Ashley can start seventh grade remotely until she's ready to go back in person. Relatives will babysit while Regina is at work. Is there anything about motherhood that Ashley is excited about? She twists her mouth, shrugs, and says nothing. Is there anything Ashley wants to say to other girls? Be careful when you go outside and stay safe. There is only one moment when Ashley smiles a little, and it's when she describes the nurses she met in the doctor's office and delivery room. One of them, she remembers, was nice and cool. She has decided that when she grows up, she wants to be a nurse too. To help people, she says. For a second, she looks like any other soon-to-be seventh grader sharing her childhood dream. Then, Peanut stirs in his car seat. Regina says he needs to be fed. Ashley's face goes blank again. She is a mother now. And that will conclude our coverage of Time Magazine for this broadcast. I need to remind you again, you've been listening to a recording provided for the use of the blind and print impaired. Items read on Airs LA are the copyright property of the original authors and publishers, and no unauthorized use or duplication is permitted. My name is Nancy Porter, and it has been my pleasure to share Time Magazine with you.